Um, hi, I'm Judith, in case of any of you that, that don't know me. Um, and um, part of the leadership of the church here and across our different communities. And, and so it's, um, it's a great privilege for me to be with you today and um, be able to share with you some of the things that God has placed on my heart to share with you today. And today I brought with me a bottle of bleach. So it's easy and recognisable, isn't it? Because the shape of it, you know exactly what that's for, don't you? So and on the front of it, it says, kills germs, cuts through dirt and grime, and it's thick clinging formula, which is great. So I get all excited on my cleaning days when I've got a cleaning flurry and I'm going around the house with this, putting it all over the place. Um, but when you turn over on, on the back, there's actually some scary warnings on the back. Have you ever read the back of bleach? I've never read the back of bleach and I wish I hadn't because there's so many warnings on there. It makes you feel like this is actually really dangerous stuff. So it says things like this. It says, um, let's have a look. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Right. Oh, yes, here we are. Yes, it's got these like scary symbols, danger, um, danger in big black capital light writing. It says, may contain, maybe corrosive to metals, causes severe skin burns and eye damage. Toxic to aquatic life with long-lasting effects. Um, need medical advice if you um, if you you get on your skin or anything like that. Um, keep out of reach of children. Read label before use. Um, keep in the original container because it's pretty, it's good to know what you're using. So you need to keep it in the container. If you put in something else, you don't know what you're using and cause damage. Wear protective gloves, protective clothing, eye protection, face protection. Has anyone ever done that? Put like eye protection on, face protection, and all these different protect when they've used this. Or have you just been like me and just got it out and gone like this everywhere? And you know, so it's actually pretty dangerous. And it's basically telling you on the bottle, do not use it. It actually even says if it's um, it's really dangerous to the environment, do not let it out into the environment. Well, I'm thinking well, as soon as I take the lid off, it's out there in the environment, isn't it? So it's basically telling me not to use it. It's pretty dangerous stuff. And the thing about this as well, it's actually really contagious. Have you ever like used a cloth and with and you know you're wiping down the surfaces or whatever or whatever you're wiping the, the bleach up and then you've shoved the the cloth in the washing basket? Have you ever done that? It took me years to realise, what is this that's damaging my clothes in the washing basket? What is it? I'm bringing it all out of the washing and my clothes are damaged. And I was like, what is going on? And then it suddenly dawned on me, I was putting a cloth in the washing basket that had bleach on it. So this bleached cloth was contaminated all my other clothes and infected my other clothes. And so bleach is actually really contagious, isn't it? It's like really dangerous stuff. Now, don't worry, I'm not here to preach to you about bleach. 
I'm actually here to tell you how dangerous and contagious your lives are. That when you live your lives holy before God, that your lives is just like this. It's really dangerous and contagious. And on here, I love how it says, it kills germs, cuts through dirt, cuts through dirt and grime, thick clinging formulation. That's what your life is like when you live your holy life. Um, so, um, so why is it that we, we need to be holy? Why is it that God has made us holy? So I want to first start by looking at God, the one that we declare to be holy. You know, we sing the songs that we holy, holy, holy. We all know those amazing songs. So why, you know, why, why do we have to be holy when we've got a holy God? So I want to look at God. You know, when we think about God, we know that when we acknowledge that he is the only one that's like him. He is this almighty, awesome, amazing God who created everything, created the heavens and earth, everything that's beautiful, everything that's amazing. You know, God created it. It came from God. He is the only one that could create everything that we, that we now come to enjoy in creation and life. And, you know, he's our source, isn't he? He's, the, he's just everything. And, um, and that's what holiness is. It's like, you know, there's no one that can do what he can do. He's the only one that can do what he can do. And so when I was thinking about holiness and, and how to best describe it, I came across um, the Bible Project, and they described holiness by using a metaphor. They used the sun as a metaphor, and I really liked the metaphor. And, that, and it really helps us to understand the holiness of God and, and how awesome and how amazing it is. And when we look at the sun and as a, an example, an allergy or a metaphor, we we know the sun, there's only one sun out there, isn't there? In the universe, it's the only one in our solar system that we, you know, that we know of. And so, so here's the sun, and, um, and, it's, and it's a source of life to us here on Earth. So without the sun, we wouldn't have life, would we? We wouldn't be able to continue, we wouldn't be able to exist, because without the sun, we need life. And yet, if you ever tried to come close to the sun, if you ever approached the sun, you would become annihilated because it's so powerful, it's so awesome, it's so strong and intense. You can't come close to the sun because you will be destroyed. And in effect as well, the, the area around the sun is also holy, you know, um, in the sense that, that as you're approaching it, the heat is, becomes more intensified. And so even just um, approaching the sun, that heat can actually kill us and damage us. And we know that when there's an eclipse, we have to wear special glasses because if we look at it, it can damage our eyes when it's coming out from behind the shadows and we're still looking. You know, it can damage us. And, and in the summer, we'll put sun protection on because we have to protect our skin. So the sun is this source of life to us, and yet it's really dangerous. It can really harm us. And that's what holiness is like. It's really dangerous. And, um, and it can cause so much harm, not because it's bad, but because it's so good. That's the holiness of God. It's because it's so good. 
And so that's why he makes us holy, because we cannot come close to God. We cannot approach the throne of God unless we are holy, which is amazing really, isn't it? Because this is this awesome, amazing, powerful God, the creator of everything, the whole universe, that anything that's unholy that approaches God, the holiness of God will be completely and totally annihilated. And God wanted us to be able to come close to him. He wanted us to be able to approach his throne. And the way he did that was by making us holy. Isn't that amazing? Have you, can you like, just get your head around that, that we can approach God because he has made us holy. And he did that for us. Colossians 1 verse 21, it says this. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Wow, God's sacrifice of Jesus' life, Jesus going to the cross and dying for us so that we could stand before God holy, free from any blemish. No accusation can come against us because God has made us holy. He has made us holy when we accept him and receive him in our lives. You know, holiness is kind of like a bit of a scary subject, really. You know, and you know when you think, oh, someone's going to start, start talking about holiness, you start thinking, oh my goodness, holiness. You know, how could I ever be like that? And you know, I don't know. Maybe you start thinking, you know, maybe your mind goes off into the abyss because you think, oh, it's another one on holiness, and you know, it's too difficult to to live my life holy because it's really hard to make the right choices and to make make the right decisions all the time. And you know, and holiness, it's this it's really really difficult thing. Sometimes I'll never be holy you know I have this sense of shame and guilt sometimes and and so it, it makes it difficult and and yet when we talk about holiness as well it it challenges us to think about our own lives and and measuring up you know are we living our lives holy holy like God created us to be holy um, I want us to look, um, turn to Hebrews 10 and I'm going to read a passage from there And I'm going to read it from verse 14. It says this. So it's Hebrews 10, verse 14. For, for by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write on their, on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. 
I just love that passage where it says that Jesus' sacrifice was perfect for all time. You know, you can, if you read more of that passage, it talks about how they, um, they used to do all the sacrifices to make people holy, but it wasn't enough. And Jesus' sacrifice was perfect for all time, that once and for all, sacrifice was perfect for all time to make us holy before God. Nothing more needs to be done. And I love it how it says in verse 16, it says that after that time of making us holy, making us able to be able to stand before God holy and justified without any blemish or, and free from accusation, it says that he writes his laws on our hearts and on our minds. You know, he makes us holy and then he writes on our minds and our hearts to give us the ability to live out our holy lives. Now, there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do to make yourselves holy. Because God, it's only God can make you holy. There's nothing you can do to make you holy. No matter what you think, there's no like moral living or trying to make the right choices, trying to make the right decisions will ever make you holy on its own. It's only Christ Jesus and his sacrifice and what he did for you that can make you holy. And so holiness is so much bigger than just moral living and having a morally perfect life. It's so much bigger than that. And we can look at Jesus as our example of how we're going to live holy lives. So Jesus um, was the one who, who gave us life and he was the one that heals us. He's our source, our deliverer. He makes us holy by the sacrifice. And he's so, so good. And, and we can read, we're going to read about it a bit later about how Eve how he causes people to stumble as well. And it's not because he's bad, but because he is so good. Now, all the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they're all going around doing all these little rituals, trying to, to live out a holy life, trying to be different, separating themselves from everybody else. They didn't want to touch anything unclean because they were afraid that if they started touching things that were unclean or meeting people where they were at, then, then they would become unclean. They just wanted to keep themselves separate and they were doing all these little rituals. And Jesus even challenged them and says, you know, you, you're putting all this effort and energy into all these little rituals and yet you're neglecting the, the, um, the, the amazing things that you were supposed to be doing in the law like righteousness and justice and mercy. So these Pharisees were meant to be living amongst the people um, but they just wouldn't touch them. They wouldn't get down into the dirt and, and help them. And, and if they were struggling, they would just, you know, they would just stand there and, you know, and tell them what they should be doing to, to live right and not getting down there and helping them. And Jesus even said to them that, you know, you, you, you're there, you know, you're, not, you're supposed to be helping these people and you, and you look like whitewashed tombs. You're looking all beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're concerned about your rituals and about looking good, looking right and, and not getting yourself dirty. Then along came Jesus and he touches the leper. 
He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He gets down into the dirt and touches people. He heals people of blindness and gives back their sight. He interacts and accepts the the women and the tax collectors and, and the sinners of those days. Jesus was not afraid of becoming unclean by touching people's lives, by getting involved in people's lives. The Pharisees even said to him, they said, um, they said, you know, why are you just sitting with the tax collectors and the sinners? What is wrong with you? And, and Jesus is like, well, I came here for the sick. The, do- um, the sick, you know, it's the sick that needs a doctor. And this is why I've come. There's something about the life of Jesus that we can look at as an example to us of what holy living looks like. He was holy. And the Pharisees were looking at him and they were, they were finding it really difficult. They couldn't understand what is going on. And so they started to hate him. Now, even the demons would cry out when, when they saw Jesus come in. They would be saying, don't torture us. Jesus, the, the son of the high, most high God, don't torture us. You know, Jesus brought light and the darkness would tremble when Jesus came. That's how powerful holiness is. Light, tre- the darkness trembles at holiness. But holiness was never, ever meant to be kept separate from the world. It was always meant to be transforming. It was always meant to be contagious. And we know about this a little bit from Moses' experiences. You know, when he came down from the mountain, of, you know, he'd been in the presence of God, and, and he comes down the mountain to be with the people, and Aaron and the Israelites would be saying, your face is too radiant, we can't stand it. The holiness of God had, had rubbed off onto Moses, and the people, they knew about holiness, they knew how dangerous it was, that if you came close to holiness, it could actually kill you, you could die. And so Moses would put a veil on his head to, to, so that the people would come to him and talk to him because they were scared of it. You know, people like the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the lepers, the demon-possessed found that when they came close to Jesus, his holiness would touch their lives and they would experience his love and forgiveness that made them clean and holy See, it wasn't that when Jesus touched these people that he became unclean. His holiness actually went on to the people's lives that he touched. It infected them. It transformed them. It was contagious. It was dangerous to the evil and the darkness in this world. Um, Let's have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to read it from verse 4 to 10. It says here, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, 
See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall." They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, but you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? That we are God's chosen possession, his holy, royal priesthood. That's amazing what God has done for you. And he's created you into somebody that can be those that go out there infecting people's lives, transforming people's lives with the holiness that God has put on you. That you are his ministers, you are his priests, you are his people. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says that, um, that um, without holiness, we can't see God. Isn't that amazing that God makes us holy so that we can see him? You know, that, that um, song, that I think it was Manuel that brought about, I want more of you, God, I want more of you. Well, that's made possible because God has made us holy. It's made possible for us to have more of him, to know him, to hear his voice. And it also says in Hebrews 12, 14, where it says, without holiness, we will not see God. And so we need to make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. You know, holy is meant to be lived out in community. And in that passage that we're reading in Peter, it says, I have made you into a people, my people, my chosen possession. Holiness is meant to be lived out in community. Our lives are meant to be rubbing up against one another so that we, we're knocking into each other. Holiness, what does holy living look, looks like? And that we, we get contaminated by each other and touched by each other so that, that as we go out, there we're living these amazing holy lives when Jesus gave up his last breath on the cross at Calvary we knew when we read the Bible we knew in that moment everything changed forever because when he gave up his last breath the curtain in the temple was torn in two now this curtain in the temple was there to separate the presence and the holiness of God from the rest of the community. And the only people that could go behind, the temp behind this curtain were the holy priests that had made themselves holy before God. And even then, if they went behind the curtain to go into the presence of God, they would have to put a rope around themselves. Because if they got into the presence of God and, and for whatever reason they, they weren't right before God, they would drop down dead and nobody could go in there to go and collect them because they would drop down dead too so they would just pull them out like this with this rope 
Can you imagine that feeling, putting the rope around you before you went into the presence of God? It's pretty scary, isn't it? But that's what they did. They want, that's how they, they got into the presence of God. <laughs> but that curtain was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross. He paid for that with his life for us. So we now are these spiritual houses being built together. We are now the temple of God that's carrying the presence of God wherever we go. We are now the temple of God carrying his holiness out there into the world. Holiness is dangerous, is destructive to anything that's not holy. Isaiah realizes this when, um, you know, he's like, he starts hearing the seraphims calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with the glory. And when Isaiah hears a seraphim calling out holy, he's like really freaking out. He's really scared because he realizes I'm in the presence of God. And the presence of God and the holiness of God is just too dangerous for me. I'm going to die. Then Isaiah 6, he says this, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He thinks he's going to die. And then a seraphim comes along with a coal that he's taken from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips and makes him holy so that he can stand there before God, holy. And his life is saved. He does not die. Holiness of God is terrifying to anything that's not holy. How amazing is it that we can stand before God, that we can come into his presence? Jesus' sacrifice did that for us. Interestingly, um, um, when we read about Isaiah, it is the beginning of his ministry. So God doesn't make him holy, touch his life and makes him pure. He says, right, I want you to stay here where it's safe. I don't want you to go out there where it's all unclean. I want you to be here to be holy. But God sends him out with a word and says, I want you to go out there, proclaim my holiness to the nations that are unholy. I want you to go out there and touch people's lives. The Pharisees and the religious leaders that did not understand that they were meant to, to be compassionate and full of mercy. Instead, they kept themselves separate. Um, Jesus demonstrated something different to the Pharisees, that holiness is something that we don't have to protect from getting dirty. It's not something that we keep behind closed doors, but it's meant to go out there, cutting through the grime, killing the germs, killing wickedness, bringing light into darkness, bringing change and transformation wherever we go. And as a community of God's people, we are made holy. And our holy lives are meant to be going out there, brushing up against people's lives, touching people's lives, changing, bringing transformation, bringing love, bringing hope, bringing justice. People will be provoked by you. Um, 
They will be challenged by the way that you live your life. There's something about holiness that, that stirs people up. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Have you ever gone into situations and, and people don't really know you, so they act a certain way? And when they start realizing who you are, they realize, you know, maybe you're a Christian or they notice you're not gossiping or people start changing around you. Maybe they stop swearing around you or maybe they start behaving differently. Maybe in some situations people become more aggressive towards you when they they realize actually you're a Christian and there's something about holiness that causes a reaction in people. Have you noticed that? Um, holiness does change things wherever we go, it does change the environment and people will see something different about you. Whether you realize it or not, people will see something different about you. There's um, this um, prophetic river in Ezekiel 47 and, um, and it's this river that comes from the throne of God. And as it's flowing across, there's, you know, there's trees that are growing that are really fruitful. And the, the fruit is used for food and the leaves are used for healing. And, and this river is going along and it's going into the Dead Sea, which is so salty. Nothing living can live in this sea. So dead. And yet this river that comes from the throne of God that flows into the Dead Sea, life is going wherever this river goes. So when this fresh water goes into the Dead Sea, it makes the Dead Sea water fresh and life is swarming around in the river. It's really, really powerful holiness. Things cannot infect holiness. Holiness infects wherever it goes. It changes the environment wherever it goes. God's holiness is dangerous, contagious, transforming, and it changes everything it touches. You, as God's only people, are dangerous, contagious, transforming wherever you go. I have this white tablecloth at home. I was given it as a present, and, um, and it's really pretty because it's got beautiful embroidery around the edges of it. And, um, but the thing is, I'm afraid to use it. It's white tablecloth. Now, I don't know what it's like in your house, but like, I'm thinking, right, I put this tablecloth out, and here we are having like, spaghetti bolognese or whatever, and it's going to be totally ruined. I'll never be able to use this tablecloth again. And I can't even bleach it either because like, it's got this pretty embroidery, nice colourful around the edges, so it would be completely ruined. So I folded it up, I put it in my drawer, and it's never seen the light of day. I'm afraid to use it. And sometimes we can feel a little bit like that. We can feel like that about going into situations. We can feel like that a little bit about different people groups or different kinds of people that we're not used to or a little bit different to us. And, you know, how do we, how do we become like, how do we get into those situations? How can we be who God has created us to be in those situations? Maybe we're nervous about standing up for, for what we think and what we believe because 
because it will draw attention to us and, and people notice things about us that, that we don't want them to notice because we just want to blend in and we don't want anyone to notice us. We don't want to attract attention. And, and so we can be afraid of being who we are in these different situations. And maybe sometimes as parents, we, we give all these rules and regulations to our kids about, you know, as they're growing up, about all these different places they must not go. Don't go there because you'll be corrupted, you'll be changed and, and all this. And when really we should be thinking and helping them to, to live out their lives, to be holy and passionate about who they are in God. And if they find themselves into situations that, that are difficult or strange, that, 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 that they feel confident to be themselves in those situations, that they don't feel like they're going to be changed by that situation, but they can be the change in that situation. And it's the same for us too, as you know, we need to be thinking about our own lives, that, that we need to be those that are going into situations, not worried about, about, that, about being contaminated or infected by the environment that we're in, scared of the wickedness around us, scared of, you know, going into that situation. But we should be thinking about the holiness of God and how powerful and amazing it is and I can go into these situations and bring the light and life and love of Christ Jesus there. You know, we have been made holy, so we have to be holy. Um... You see, I can be a daughter. Um, my mum and dad gave birth to me, so I'm a daughter. I can get married and be a wife. I can have children and um, be a mother. But I can... Can you still hear me? I can behave not like a daughter. I can behave not like a wife, even though I'm married. I can behave not like a mother. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm a daughter, a wife, and a mother. And, um, but to make those relationships meaningful, I have to be like a daughter. To have a, re a meaningful relationship with my parents, I have to be a daughter. To have a meaningful relationship with my husband, I have to be a wife. To have a meaningful relationship with my children, I have to be a mother. God has made you holy. You can stand before God, holy, justified, without any accusations. But there is an expectation upon you so that you can have a meaning relationship with your heavenly Father to be holy, to live a holy life. The choices and the decisions that you make does not, does not affect how, that you are holy, but actually, the choices and the decisions that you make does affect your relationship in that relationship with God who has made you holy so that you can approach his throne, so that you can hear his voice, so you can know his touch, so you can know what he's got for you, his plans and his purposes. Um, I just would love for us to, um, to respond to this. Um, if you would just stand up and we'll just pray. That'd be great. Um, have we, can we have some music in the background? Thank you. Um, I just... Um, you know, just like... Um, you know, we have to make decisions in our lives to have meaningful relationships with 
our family, our friends, to be a good friend, to be, to be brother, to be a sister, to be an auntie, an uncle, a parent, or whatever. We have to make choices to make those relationships meaningful, don't we? And I just want us in this moment just to contemplate a little bit about what has God done for you and what does that mean for you? What does that mean about the choices that you make in your life? What does that look like tonight when, when you're at home watching TV? What does that look like tomorrow when you get up to go to work? What does it look like for you and your life? What is it that God has put in your life that he's saying to you, be holy because you are holy? So just take a moment to think about that. And while we're thinking about that, I just want to give people another opportunity to, to respond to the gospel message that, that came from, through the worship. If today you have come today, you've never ever given your life to Jesus. You've never made him the Lord of your life, the King of your life. You've never known what it is to, to have your shame and your guilt forgiven from your life. And you right now, in this moment, you're saying, God, I need you. I need you to set me free from my shame and guilt. I want to stand before you holy. I want to have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Then I just want to give you the opportunity right now, and we'll pray with you. If you would just be really brave. I know it can be a bit freaky, but be really brave because if God is stirring in you to respond to the gospel, come to the front now and we'll pray for you. And everyone else, if we can just contemplate on what does it look like for us to live our lives holy before God.